Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. And uh, Buck, it's great to be back with you, man. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I am good. Like, uh, it is never a dull moment when it comes to the NFL. Each and every week you wait for uh, a news item to drop. And this week, uh, I, to me, it was kind of out of the blue. The biggest news item that we've had in a while dropped with Pat Mahomes uh, agreeing to a 10-year extension that could be valued up to million. That is a uh, ridiculous contract. Um, It's a ridiculous commitment, but it's one that um, I think maybe team and player could be satisfied with based on the Kansas City Chiefs maybe feeling like they have a dynasty at hand. Yeah, you know, I I think it's it's interesting when you look at coming off of a Super Bowl win. And let's be honest, I feel like this hasn't been discussed enough. They should be coming off back-to-back Super Bowls. I mean, if they don't yes. have offsides by D. Ford, they probably go on and win the Super Bowl in his first year as a starter and in his second year as a starter. And he's only getting better. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's come close to even reaching a ceiling. He's even said as much that you know his knowledge of the game is, uh, is continues to grow. And Andy Reid's never going to lack for ideas. So there's a lot of different areas we can go with this thing. I, I, first of all, I want to talk about the importance of. Uh, you know, of Andy Reid in this whole thing. Uh, to me, I, I'd be anxious to see when that extension is coming uh, to follow this one because if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm saying, hey, guys, we got to make sure you take care of Big Red because this is kind of the, the relationship between the two of us is what makes this whole thing go. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's, that's, that's a big thing, and we'll talk about it because, DJ, I was writing down, like, some, some points to think about, like, in preparing about, like, how the Chiefs can sustain this now that they have him in place. And I had, like, A, keep the supporting cast, invest in the pass rush, draft and develop, and we'll talk about that. But I had a little asterisk and a bonus item. Groom 
and develop, like identify and groom the successor to Andy Reid. Because yeah. when you think about 12 years, look, I know Big Red has been coaching for a long time and no one knows how long he wants to coach. It is really important that whoever is the head coach of the team has a similar relationship with Pat Mahomes that Andy Reid enjoys, meaning they're like-minded, they're creative, they can stretch Pat Mahomes' game while also uh, creatively stretching this offense uh, with imaginative ideas to allow him to really maximize his potential. Because when you think about a 24-year-old quarterback in 12 years, even at the end of this deal, he's still going to be kind of at the twilight zone of his prime that offense has to continue to grow and change and go as he goes. And so it takes a creative mind. If it's not Andy Reid, it has to be somebody else in that building that has the ability to kind of pick it up where he leaves off. Yeah, I think that's a key component of it. I think also when we get into the team building side of it, I'm curious to get your take on this because I have my theory um, with it. But when I have that much money invested in the quarterback, and let's just look on the offensive side of the ball where we're going to allocate our resources. So you take take care of the Tyreek Hills and the Kelseys, right? Outside of like those two main guys, I'm okay with the revolving cast around those two players. They're going to let guys walk. Guys are going to leave there and make big money in free agency. You got to be willing to, to let them go. It's going to be like Miko Hardman when he comes up. At mm-hmm. that point in time, you're probably either Tyreek or, or, or Hardman. You got to make that decision between those two because I don't think I'm going to pay all those guys. But what I am going to do is I'm going to continue invest draft capital uh, in the offensive line because I don't want I don't want five hundred million dollars stand next to me on the sideline on crutches. So I, I'm okay taking my investments going forward and saying, okay, we're going to spend draft capital on the offensive line. We're going to even spend some free agent money on the offensive line. We're going to pay our two stars, our tight end and our, our receiver. The backs are going to roll through. The other receivers that complement him are going to roll through. The other tight ends are going to roll through because Mahomes, with his ability, is going to be able to make all those guys better. What he can't do is make anybody better if he's not healthy. So that, to me, signals a thing going forward. And when you look at this offensive line, it's not the group that it was a couple years ago, Buck. Uh, It really isn't. I mean, they've got probably the best right tackle in the NFL, Mitchell Schwartz. Eric Fisher's a middle of the road, in my opinion, at best, left tackle. And uh, Duvernay Tardif's a top-tier guard. But those, to me, at left tackle going forward, I think that's a high draft pick. And I think those other two interior spots, like – if I'm looking in forecasting of the roster building of this team, that to me is where the resources are going to be devoted. Yeah, the resources are going to be devoted to me. Like, it's funny you identified the areas that I would say. Like, if I'm building the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm continuing to keep this going, I'm investing in, in four positions or four players. I'm investing in both of the offensive tackle positions because it's critical that the bookends are protected. So I want to make sure that I have upper level blue chip offensive tackles. And I don't care if I have to get those via the draft or via free agency. I have to have offensive tackles. I have to have a number one receiver, a legitimate threat to be a dominant receiver that can command a double team, that can make it happen when everyone knows that he's getting the ball. I still need to have someone who can win against all comers. And then I need to have a secondary receiver, whether it's a tight end like Travis Kelsey, whether it's another wide receiver on the outside, be a Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardeman, or whatever. I need to always give him two options in the passing game that he can rely on. And I need both of those options to, in my mind, be guys that I can grade as top 10 players at the position. I want them to be two dominant players. Everything else, I am willing to have a revolving door. I'm always going to draft a running back rather than sign one in free agency. I'm going to draft him. I'm going to let him play to the end of his term. And I'm never going to resign him because I'm going to draft another one. Because that is a position where five or six years is kind of the run. I don't want to plunk a lot of money into that beyond whether I draft him high or whatever, like they just did with Clyde Edwards-Alar. Like, fine, I draft him in the first round. Cool, we keep him for five years, maybe six. We're on to the next. But it's important. Two offensive tackles, two playmakers in the passing game, and then I can kind of find a way to, to piecemeal the rest of it around Pat Mahomes because I also expect him to be able to elevate those around him so we don't have to invest money in those other positions. Yeah, and Buck, we were talking before we started about in history of sports, looking at some of these huge contracts and how it hasn't very often paid off in the form of, of multiple championships. Sometimes you get paid at this this big number right now for what's happened in the past um, as an achievement award contract. 
the, the crazy thing about Mahomes is he's he's got achievements. He's put trophies in the trophy case, both individually and team-wise. But, man, there's so much more in the windshield than in the rearview mirror that I think it, it's almost unfair to compare this big deal to some of the other massive deals we've seen in other sports. Yeah, when you and I were talking, um, Derek Jeter's contract came up, and it came up because it's, it's a massive contract that was signed in Derek Jeter's prime. At the time, Derek Jeter signed a 10-year, $189 million deal in 2001. The Yankees had come off of, look, they had won four World Series during his time, and Look, he was the best player. He was Mr. Captain Clutch. He did everything. He made the plays. He was the consummate professional. He was representative of the franchise, and he just had a way of getting it done. When I look at Pat Mahomes, there are a lot of similarities in terms of he is the unquestioned face of the franchise, the face of the league. He does all the right things on and off the field. He has represented himself well, and you can see his best ball ahead. The issue that you have, even though they creatively constructed this contract, is now that he has gotten paid, how do you allocate the rest of the resources to ensure that you have enough blue chip players around him for the team to succeed? Um, Chris Jones is on record talking about not being a guy that's going to come to camp unless he gets $20 million annually on his next deal. Um, you have Frank Clark, who they're playing big money. You have Ty Tyron Matthew, who they're paying big money. But outside of that, they really don't have the ability to pay those guys. They have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, the offensive lineman that we talked about previously. So now the critical part goes from the coaching staff to now the scouting staff. Because now with the draft, our batting average has to go up. We talked about batting average like, man, yeah. if you're a 400 hitter in the draft, you're doing well. Well, I might need them to be 450, 500, because they're going to need to hit on some of these draft picks so they can get – Cheap, cheap labor, yeah, cheap starters that can give them uh, tremendous value, tremendous pr production based on what the compensation levels are like. All right, so let's look at the possibility here with this team trying to make a, a prolonged run during the length of this contract, right? If, can they rack up multiple championships? So when you look at uh, the team that's been able to do that in the NFL, Bucky, has been the New England Patriots. That's been the standard for their six rings, right? Well, you look at that, and I think it's – I think it's apples and oranges because you look at the divisions that these two teams play in and the Patriots who really never had a credible threat inside the AFC East for a decade plus. I, I just don't see the road being that easy. Now, I, I admit the Chiefs have owned the AFC West since Andy Reid's been there. They have yeah. owned that division. But I think it's been competitive, and I also think that you can make a case that I'll, the other teams in that division have a lot more young talent, emerging talent, than anything the Patriots had to deal with in, in the AFC East. Um, so to me, I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge too, is now you've got to build your team around some of these big contracts, not just Mahomes, but eventually, like you said, Chris Jones, some of these big numbers. You're going to have to have a higher batting average in the draft. But then you're also a little bit dependent on who's on your schedule every year. And I think while in the short term right now, you know, I think the Chiefs still have a sizable gap there. But there's no layups in this division. There's no – you don't look at the schedule and go, okay, win, 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 win. Like there's some, there's some good, young, talented teams in the AFC West. Yeah, there's some good young teams. And uh, you brought up something when you talked about the difference with the Patriots and the Chiefs and the ability for the Patriots to kind of dominate and own that division. Well, you and I have talked about uh, this on the podcast. The Patriots figured out the recipe for getting to the Super Bowl a long time ago. The recipe is to get one of the buys – play two games to get into the Super Bowl. And when you play two games, the first one being at home, like when you have Tom Brady and you have Bill Belichick and their knowledge of how to win those, those big games, those championship games, I mean, it's a 50-50 uh, coin flip when, whenever they play in a game like that just because of the experience. The new playoff structure makes it more challenging for the Kansas City Chiefs with only one bye and seven teams mm -hmm. in the division that they're in. We can't confidently say that year after year we can slot them into the number one seed. And so with every extra game, man, the odds go down of them being able to kind of enjoy a, a, a long, sustained run as like not only title contenders, but teams that are always in the Super Bowl. And so this is a tough one. This is one where they're going to have to stay one step ahead of the posse in a competitive division that features a young quarterback in, in Drew Locke another young quarterback potentially down the road and Justin Herbert, defensive players 
on both of those teams that are dominant. And so that, that object in their rearview mirror is getting bigger because there are teams that are legitimately closing on them. And I won't discount or dismiss the LA, the Las Vegas Raiders opportunities to close the gap too. Yep. Yeah, Raiders have added a lot of speed in the off season. You've got John Gruden, they are a physical team. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting who, all right, let me give you this question. If we're going to look at the chiefs as kind of the bulls, right. And, and trying to go through their run in that division, or may, let's say even in the AFC, um, in the conference, who would be the Pistons? Like, who's a team that stylistically can give them some trouble? I'm, I mean, I, I think we've seen two of those teams, and they dispatched both of them last year, but I still think they're problematic. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. And I think what we saw in those games, even though Kansas City won against the Tennessee Titans, we saw how the physical running game enabled them to control the tempo of the game. Now, uh, the spurtability of the Kansas City Chiefs, much like the Golden State Warriors when they could knock down four or five threes in succession to have these runs, that's Pat Mahomes. But the ability to control the game, the Tennessee Titans gave us a blueprint. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have played the Kansas City Chiefs tight uh, with Lamar Jackson on the field. Part of that is because of the dominant running game, the X factor that he brings as a, a unique playmaker that can make it happen with his legs and arm. Uh, I think to beat Kansas City, it has to be a team that is physical and has a, a, a game plan or offensive pr- approach that enables them to play keep away from that talented and explosive offense. Because despite the Kansas City Chiefs playing better on defense in the playoffs, I still believe their defense is more a mirage than a stellar unit that is always going to be able to consistently get it done. All right. The, the most important part of this extension, uh, you're put yourself in Patrick Mahomes' shoes. This check comes in. What do you, what's the first thing you're doing with that thing, Buck? Man, like, I mean, right now, like with the pandemic and the stop. Yeah, take, and take it, taking like, it all into account. Take it all, take it where whew. we are right now with everything going on. Cause I've got my answer. I mean, Guys, a part of me would put some of it right up under the mattress. Um, <laughs> if, if, I mean, I mean, when you have that much money, I don't know if you have to try and make it make money. I think you just have to preserve it. But I think the big thing is now that you have it, um, I think there's a way to um, wisely invest in things that will give you like a big return on investment down the line. I don't know what Pat Mahomes' ambitions are coming from Texas, having kind of been around big money with his dad playing in the MLB. But I would I would think that he would be a guy that has a, a desire to maybe dabble a little bit in some conservative real estate holdings because mm-hmm. we know that 50% of the wealthy millionaires in our country derive their income from that. I can't imagine what else you do with it. It, it. The check is so big, I can't even fathom what to do. What would you do with it? All right, here's the first thing I'm doing. And I'm, I'm keeping the theme here of we're trying to chase Tom Brady and, and his success. Where does Brady? Where does Brady have a little place where he spends a lot of time in the off season? It's up in Montana. Think about think about Phil Jackson, right? Was he got eleven rings? Where does he spend his time up in Montana? I'm telling you, Buck, all this hustle and bustle, and especially with the coronavirus and every the world is shrinking and we're quarantining our little house. <laughs> You're moving oh, away from everybody. Oh, Buck, I'm getting up in Montana. I'm getting myself about 150 acres. I've got streams. Um, and Pat Mahomes is a little country. I mean, you hear him talk. He's Texas. He's got yes. some country to him. I want space. I want to be able to spread out. I got the cash. I can afford to fly in, you know, Kelsey and Tyreek and these boys come out here and we can throw. That's what Tom so Brady's been isolate? doing. You go isolate yes. in Montana? I'm just saying that's my little sprawling ranch. That's my, you know, and then that's my peaceful time. And then when I come back in, you know, I've got it. You have a place at the beach. I'm sure you have a place at the beach in, in, in Los Angeles and they don't have his place in Kansas City. But I'm telling you, get you a ranch. Get you some ranch time up there in Montana. See, I took a week off. I, I went to Idaho, and I had, I've driven through there a million times from the scouting days. But we went up there and stayed at Lake Coeur d'Alene for a week. And uh, I, was after, wondering, after, I was wondering where you went, yeah. So all this, you, you know what the world we've been living in for the last several months. Like, you just, you're confined to your house. You go to the, you know, you go to the grocery store, you come home. Like, this, being out there on a lake and being out there, you know, hiking and walking. Like, I've never been that person. Like, ever, ever. I never really boated. Buck, I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is the life, man. This is the way oh, to go. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely fell my in guy. love with it. They got it. They got it. They did. I did. I unplugged. The guy's going to quarter lane. Like, we, we've, done, we've done the drive a million times, DJ. Yes. We've I driven know. over from Missoula to yep. Spokane. 
Like we've done that drive a million times. And I cannot believe that you've never, that you've never like taken in the sights or oh, while I you're did. doing the little drive. I, I, I pulled over. Hey, I would pull is... over and look at the lookout there at the lake. But I'd never stayed there or like, you know, done anything there. I sent a bunch of our buddies and you all, you know who they are. Uh, I sent like Patch and Marty Miller, all these guys, uh, a sign because when I was driving back to the airport in like Spokane, there was the sign that said Pullman and Colfax, like yeah. this this way. And we've all had tickets in Colfax is a speed yeah. trap on the way into into Pullman. So I sent it to those guys. I said I just got cold sweats when I saw that <laughs> sign, like going back to the scouting days of dri- of driving through there. But yeah, I drove through there, but I'd never actually like experienced it. Stayed there and experienced it. Bucky, I'm gonna be honest with you, and this is free advice too for you and for anybody that's listening. I promise you, you won't regret this because we are so uh, wrapped up in social media, right? You know, we're all we're kind of almost. You, you don't realize how whatever's going on in the world and everything that comes to social media, it can have impact your mood. Especially, we've been in some dark times, right? With yeah, everything going sure. on in the world, very negative, very toxic. Everybody's fighting with each other. All this stuff. I got up there. My wife gave me the advice. She said, "We're gonna be here for a week." Delete, delete social media from your phone. I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So if you look at my timeline, you'll see a gap for seven days. Buck, it, I think since 2012, that's by, I mean, I've never gone a whole week Man, without looking dark. at social. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. And I, this sounds like you think I'm a weirdo. You could feel by the day three or four, you could feel stress just like leave your body. I'm telling you, it's serious as a heart attack. I highly recommend it. At some point in time, it's like a, it's like a detox, right? You just detox for a little bit. Maybe maybe you do it for a day or two days, but I encourage you. I did it for a week, and I got done with that week. I just I I didn't know what the heck was going on in the world, uh, but but I did. Uh, I felt I felt like I kind of just got my juice back. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I got somebody put put my batteries back in. I felt amazing. Nice. Look at you. I I don't man. I don't know if I've ever checked out of um, social media. I can't remember the last time that I gave myself a couple of days off from uh, Twitter, but yeah. th- that is amazing. I can't, I can't understand it though, because we are impacted and because of kind of the way like the media world goes, right? So typically, yeah. like for me, I don't know how many people you follow. Only follow 150. Yeah, people see, I follow I a lot, but I've, I've spent when I came off that. Now your kind of eyes were open to like, man, I've been. It's kind of impacting my mood and sometimes it impacts your health just because it's so toxic. And so yeah. when I see people fighting on their buck, that mute button, I, I've worn that thing out, man. I've needed yeah. so many people because I just don't need it. I don't, I don't need that. I, want, I, yeah. want, I need facts. I don't need fights. Yeah. So I'm, 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 trying, I'm always big on pruning the trees, trying to keep it yeah. really, really skinny. But it does impact you, like whether it's news, whether it's kind of the infighting that you see like uh, in the scouting biz and, and people kind of talking about that stuff or whatever. I can't see where uh, taking a break, taking a vacation, being able to kind of reset uh, would be helpful. I could also tell that the vacation did you well because you're ready to jump right back in to scouting and play. Oh, I did. And, it, it did. It's and, important, man. I, I'm telling all, you that. all that, that other it, stuff. It gets you back in. I could tell you had a renewed vigor to see some of these, uh, these college guys and, and stuff like that. Um, well, let me tell you, since you were on vacation, I'll tell you quickly, like some people have heard about it or whatever, but I, I'll kind of talk about it. Like there's this huge uh, Zoom call that I was on. Um, it was organized by a bunch of, like it was organized by black coaches, but it wasn't just black coaches and people on the call. But let me tell you, DJ, I was on a Zoom call last Thursday that mm-hmm. started, it was organized by Alonzo Carter. He's the running back coach at San Jose yeah. State. But on the call, James Franklin, Mike London, uh, Marvin Lewis, Ruffin McNeil, um, any and everybody that was a notable name was on the call. And so, DJ, seven hours on a wow. Zoom call. Just It was just kind of like a free-flowing exchange of not only, like, ideas of, of like, a, where coaches are in the current state or whatever, but just talking about, like, hey, building, building programs, whatever. And nothing could be X and O's related. It only could be from a philosophical, how do we help, how do I advance, Culture. Uh, if you take over, if I took over, like what would I think about it, whatever. And let me tell you, man, it was fascinating. And I think it was fascinating because you and I have experienced this when we've interviewed people privately and publicly. People have a tendency to want to open up and, man, to get people's authentic selves, like away from, hey, I'm representing my university, but to get their authentic ideas about 
how to build, how to construct, uh, how we can make it better, uh, what advice you would give to a young player, a young scout, a young coach that wants to kind of get in the way, how to navigate through. Um, and the common denominator that I heard from so many people, make the job, the place that you're at, the best job. Yeah. Meaning, be where you're planted. Yeah. Yep. yeah, be where your feet are. Like, really focus on doing the best job that you can um, where you're at. And if that means that I'm a GA and my job is to make all the cut-ups or to do that, man, do it to the best of your ability. Like, mm -hmm. don't think about the next step. And I know a lot of times you and I get asked and questioned, hey, how can we advance or whatever? And I think the only thing, the best advice that we can give, man, work your tail off when you do get an opportunity, be mm -hmm. it internship, be it uh, a volunteer thing, be it you submitting reports on your own, man, work um, as if it's the most important thing uh, that you have going and pour all that in because people want passionate people and you can feel the passion that people have. And so that seven hour Zoom call was outstanding, man. I, I, I took so many notes, like my notebook is full, but it was, uh, it was great. Kevin Sumlin was also on that call and nice. just talking about the pandemic and all the stuff that people are working around. DJ, this is a, a unique set of circumstances. I, I don't know what this is going to look like in the fall for everybody because mm -hmm. it's, it's different. I mean, it's just a different, it's just a different time. Yeah, I, I heard a great line. I, I think it was from our buddy Mike McCartney who's, who told me about this because he represents not only players but some young coaches. And he said, make sure your focus is always on learning, not on leaving. Because when you start getting your focus on leaving, you miss out on opportunities that you could be learning and growing in the position that you're in right now. So I think that's kind of another way to kind of say what you were doing is where you are right now, you're going to do the best job that can possibly be done in the role that which you have. And then with that success, you'll get greater opportunities and, and then you get a chance to advance. But we know, guys, we call them climbers, right? We call them climbers yeah. in the scouting community. Where it's always, you know, hey, this, they always want to know, here, this guy's moving, this guy, now this is going to open up, and I, I know this person, I can have him call this guy. I'm like, dude, don't you have, like, some reports to write or something, man? Like, yeah. worry about the job you got. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's, a, that's a, big, a big part, and I think you and I over the last year and a half have really kind of dove into the learning process, and, like, one of our, our things has been, like, team building, and we have contacted people in all areas, be it baseball, be it basketball, be it football, like, just, just figure out, like, how to learn how to do this the best way that we can do it. And even though we're on the media side uh, at the moment, I still think that we're fascinated by the thought of, hey, if you're tasked with building a team, like what is the best way to build mm -hmm. a champion that could kind of sustain itself year after year after year? And I think um, that allows you to humbly listen to people that have done it. Like uh, while you were away, I had opportunity to talk to Bill Polian, which was something that I always wanted because I heard the, the lessons from others that I work with, but to hear from him. Or uh, I was on a webinar that Matt Rule was talking to a bunch of high school coaches. And what was great about that, Matt Rule said the same thing to them that he said to us. Yeah. When I cross-referenced the notes from the webinar to what we did on Move the Sticks, it was exactly the same. So it led me to believe that what he told us was authentic and what he really believed in. It's the same thing when we've interviewed other guys multiple times, Urban Meyer. Like, it's all the same. And so I just, I just love that part of it. I love reading and consuming all of this stuff. And so I kind of like uh, where we're at right now when it comes to that. But that was the takeaway that, look, man, devote yourself to learning. Devote yourself to finding mentors. Commit to just kind of stretching yourself to be the best that you can be in your current area. And the other stuff will kind of come to you. I know we have a lot of scouts, you know, friends and then, and then scouts we don't even know that listen to this podcast. So I, I want to just take a minute here, Buck, and it's because we haven't been together and I've been thinking about this. And I think it can be helpful to them, but I also think it can be helpful to you in whatever job or whatever profession that you have. But this thought just has been kind of on my, on my mind and my heart. But I, I was thinking, man, if you're a scout right now, and we're uncertain about college football, we're uncertain, you know, more than likely, even if there is college football, you won't be going out on the road. You have to find ways to show your value to your organization. So in other words, this is a period of time where normally scouts are like teachers, right? We kind of get the summer off. I would be working on any on several different projects. I'd be putting things together. I'd be sending them to my college director. I'd be sending them to my general manager. Um, I'd be working on things, you know, studies in the league. I'd be working on studies on college players. I would be trying to show that I have value to this organization because we both know, and this is the same in any business, not just in our business in the, in the football world, 
as revenues are declining. If you're not going to have fans in the stands, mm-hmm. obviously we're going to have a major drop in revenue. Organizations in the NFL, in the place where you might work in any other profession, are going to be looking for cost-saving areas where they can say, okay, does this... Do we really get do a lot need, of value out of do this? We do we this? need yeah. this person? Because I don't know if the value match, we can save a little bit here. Let's get this one out, this one out, that one out. So I just, if I put myself in that situation, if I'm a scout and we've done it, I am trying to show to my higher ups that I have value beyond going into a school and getting background information. And I would be doing my darndest at this point in time to display that value in a creative way to give something to the organization beyond what I've been assigned to do. Yeah, it's funny that you said that, right, DJ? So the pandemic has kind of brought about a lot of self-reflection, a lot of time to reflect from for me. And so one of the things that I dove into, and I, I don't even know if I've mentioned this to you, is I've kind of taken like an online writing class just to see if I can become better at efficiently communicating my ideas. I know how you do it because you write as well, like trying to be efficient and trying to be succinct but powerful, concise, so when we talk about reading reports uh, when working for a team, when you get these things to come across, like a lot of it is like, hey, can you get to the point? But get yeah. to the point clearly and vividly. So in those, in an economical sense, I can read what you're saying, but envision what the player is. So for me, it's kind of like the same thing on this side of it. How can I push myself to be better in that area so that I can communicate effectively to the masses while also presenting the, the picture that I want to present. And so when we talk about aspiring scouts or scouts that are in the business, whatever, communication is key. And your ability to communicate and accurately articulate exactly what you see from a player, how you project a player, those skills are transcendent. Like those skills go with you. So find something that you can work on during this time so you won't come, a, come out of the pandemic at the same level. Be better than what you were going in. And then to your point about the projects, the projects are really, really critical right now. Uh, Studying teams, studying Mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs, studying San Francisco 49ers, studying how the Patriots have consistently been on top. Dig a little deeper than, hey, well, they've had Tom Brady. No, it's been more than just the Tom Brady thing. What have they done from a personnel or a team building standpoint to be able to be a team that is always near or in the winner's circle at the end of the year. Those are the projects that I would be digging into. The quarterback, the way the quarterback position has changed right before our eyes in the last two or three years. Pat Mahomes went from being a guy that I know there's some people in the Twitterverse that are like, oh, I knew he was going to be that. But DJ, be honest, like, we hadn't seen anything like yeah. that translate. Then you go, the following year you see Lamar Jackson have similar success when it wasn't exactly prototypical in terms of how he was as a prospect man i'm digging into these athletic quarterbacks and i'm trying to figure out what enables them to have success at the nfl level and who's the next wave of guys that are coming you know like that's That's what i'm saying that's this is the interaction though that, that that's so healthy and i think instead of just parking yourself on a beach somewhere um, using this time to create value. Like I, I have, we have, a, you just gave a, some great ideas of things to do. One of the ones I've had recently is we talk about the money down, third down being the money down. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know if you looked, if we did a study and looked at the guys who are most successful on third down in the NFL, and it's going to be guys, you know, like Michael Thomas and Cooper Cup and, you know, that group of guys. What did they do in third down in college? Was there a carryover? Yeah. Was there a correlation between them being money down players in college versus them being money down players in the NFL? What if we just looked at all their athletic testing and said, okay, these guys, if, if there's there some commonality that they all have, you know, are they all similar speed? Are they all similar size? Um, is there a production thing? Like it, what, trying to figure out, okay, if we agree this is the most important down in football and these guys are winning at the professional level, what could we have learned about them at the collegiate level that could have forecast this success at the NFL level? There's an infinite number of projects like that. Yeah, no, it's funny because you did this project and we talked about it on the um, podcast about wide receivers. And what was interesting, what I think you had Jack run the numbers on the yeah. top 10 reception leaders and the top 10 receiving leaders and the numbers that we got back like in terms of their averages in terms of size and 40 times like it was about six six two two ten four five five was the 40 time and then when we did the receiving yards leaders four five three so if we think about that right and think about how enamored we get with all the speedsters at the combine that is great during the track meet 
but it's uncommon for those guys to be the ones that are your number ones that are dominating the game. So mm-hmm. let's dig into those top 10 guys and see what are the traits that they had, not only now, but what did they have in college? What did they display? What should I give more weight to during the evaluation process as opposed to, hey, man, I love their height, weight, speed, but there has to be something else to it that enables those guys to have success when they're not the fastest guys on their teams. Yep. No, again, you can do it with sacks. You can, you can do all these different studies. But that's, that's my advice to just if you're out there, you're listening, you're in a scouting world, make yourself valuable. I don't want to see any of you guys lose your jobs, man. So show your value to your organization, and I think it'll be not only good for the organization, it'll be good for you in, in your future. So that, that had just been something I've been thinking about. Um, Buck, uh, I've had a chance to look at some of these college kids. The only one I wanted to talk about, and you can find it, it's the first look series, just nfl.com uh, slash Daniel Jeremiah. You can find all this stuff. But uh, the one that I'd recently wrote up uh, was Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I, I was curious to get your take on this because how much value do you put in to not, I mean, he led the team in, in receiving yards and touchdowns, but they have so many receivers there. Him and Waddle will be first round mm-hmm. picks in this next draft. They had Judy and Ruggs were first round picks in last year's draft. How much value do you put in the fact that when it was money making time, when you talk about the national championship game as a true freshman, when he caught the walk off, when you talk at all their big games, for all the other flash and stuff you get with Judy and Ruggs and Waddle, when it's money time, this was the guy. Like this is where the trust was with Tua. I, I'm just curious in your evaluation process when you're working through this, how much value do you place in that? A ton of value in it. Um, people tell you exactly what they think by the way the game is called and who they go to in those moments. Um, I'll never forget this because Nick Saban has said this on, on multiple occasions. And he said he learned this when he was in high school. His high school coach let him call his own plays. And there was a time in high school where it was the end of the game and he comes to the sideline and he goes to the coach and he was like, hey, coach, what should we call? He's like, well, what do you think we should call? And at that (laughs) moment, the coach told him, in these critical situations, think players, not plays. Who's your best player? Let him dictate who takes, who who, who wins the game. It's like when we're playing basketball, who gets the final shot? Hey, Jordan, take it. And so the fact that Devontae Smith has been the guy that numerous occasions, the game has gotten tight and critical, the ball has found its way to him. It says that, look, subconsciously or not, someone there, the quarterback, trusts that he is going to be the guy to make the play. So either the quarterback or the play caller believe that the ball needs to go to him in a critical moment, and he delivers. That speaks volumes about what he is and how they think about it. I think you could do the same thing at LSU. Mm-hmm. Everybody will talk about Jamar Chase. But Justin Jefferson was kind of like... When it was go time. Yes. That matters. And that's not being uh, disrespectful or disparaging Jamar Chase because he's outstanding. But, I mean, those critical moments where the ball goes kind of tells you how the coaching staff and how everyone thinks about that player. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So, I, yeah, he's a good player. He is slender. I mean, he looks really skinny. Uh, actually, I put down, I know he's taller, but he just gave me a little bit of a Marvin Harrison vibe just because, you know, he just kind of glide like that smooth gliding, very efficient uh, as a route runner, catches everything. Um, you know, and I, I put in the thing, look, I don't like comparing guys to Hall of Famers. I, I'm not saying he's Marvin Harrison, but you see some movement things that kind of remind you a little bit of that slender Marvin Harrison who was as good as it gets, obviously a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, like I, I tend to prefer uh, big comparisons because, mm-hmm. like, if I'm sitting there, if we're in the room um, – I want, it, I want my ears to perk up. Oh, mm-hmm. because that means I really need to go pay attention to them. Like, mm-hmm. and, and this is another note when we talk about scouting. Hey, man, don't, don't play conservative when you really like a guy. Like, you want to go big because you want everyone, the directors, to know how strongly you feel about this guy and that potential. So when you say Marvin Harrison, what it does to me is I need to pay attention to him and I need to make sure that I have a, a, a good – shot of coffee and everything. <laughs> so I'm fully awake to make sure that I can evaluate him the way that he deserves to be evaluated. All right, Buck, as we kind of finish up here, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but see, I've, I've got some beard going. I, yeah. Here. I look, can, can I tell you the story though? Can I tell you the story? Cause I, I, I was got up this morning. I was going to respect the show. I was going to get a nice shave in, be nice and clean for the show. And then I realized my 14 year old daughter, who's, uh, 
She's up in Big Bear, you know, like for, for the last like four or five days. She hijacked my razor. It's gone. She took my razor. So, so I, I cannot, uh, I cannot be blamed for the scruff that you see. I thought that. I, I no, was but well I thought like, I was well intentioned. You, you can you can blame your daughter, but I, I believe this is kind of part of the makeover. Like you went up to Quarter Lane and you oh man, I found myself. Like yep, it was a life changing moment. You went up there and you've become the guy, and all of a sudden now every every off time you're gonna go fishing and you're gonna be like oh, Dion. You're gonna have like a little prime ranch and. You yep. have like a man. We can go in together. Lake. We can go in yeah. together on a place in Montana. Get a little postage stamp up there. Let's go. Yeah, you go. You go. You gonna have a little man-made lake with some fish. But can you understand? There. I just need to know that you understand that when you've been confined in quarantine, like I'm not a nature person. I'm been a city person more so. But being in such confined, like just seeing the rolling, I'm like the world is my oyster out here. Like there's space. I can move around. I don't have. I don't have to worry about running into people. Like it was. I loved it. Uh, I mean, that's funny. That's funny. I, I, I mean, who knew? Like, I mean, that was our territory, dude. Like, you've I been know. through all of that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm I never that, fully appreciated it. I, apparently, I never fully appreciated it. I mean, it's it's kind of like when um, I tell people about Utah, like going through Utah um, and Park City and all all the way yeah. up through going to you know, seeing University of Utah and the like. Like, hey, man, it's it's nice out here. And like, when you're not tired from uh, writing. 12,000 yeah. reports and, and drive in the middle of the night. Like, oh, yeah. you really can appreciate it. So you got a chance to appreciate it uh, with with your eyes wide open. Yeah, when I'm not visiting Weber State, I tend to be in a better mood. <laughs> oh, you, you, did, you didn't box. like Weber State? What no. about Southern Utah? You didn't want to go there either? Uh, Southern Utah. What about Dixie? And I don't, know if I, I don't think Dixie State was going when I was scouting. I don't think they were they were I, going. I, but, yeah, uh, I did. I didn't do that. I, I remember sitting there uh, at Utah State with uh, Chris Cooley, and I remember seeing Donald Penn. Yep. What about what about? Do you remember the receiver? Because they had the receiver. Uh, I went to um, went to the Eagles. Yeah, Kevin Curtis. Uh, well, you had Kevin Curtis, but then you had one after him. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of. Wait. He was maybe he played at Wyoming. I'm thinking of the receiver that played at Wyoming, but then was coaching at Utah State after that. Um, he wore like number nine. You'll know him if I if I I'll text it to you Wyoming. later when I, when I look it up. Wyoming, yeah, I've I've done I've done that. I've done the Wyoming. I gave him thing. a good grade too, and he, he did not. It did not work out. No, but, uh, that's yeah. all right. I mean, that's what we do. Northern Colorado, Greeley, Colorado, to see Vincent yep. Jackson. Yep. Oh yeah, I did, I did that trick. Jeez. Uh, Oh, Helena, that's great, man. Carol, Helena, how about Carol Montana, Collins? Is I think it's is it Helena or Helena? I think it's I Helena. Know, same same thing. I've been it's there. All, yeah. That was remember Montana State always had court. Montana State always had a quarterback. Like I, like none of them ever made oh, it, but yeah. we go there every year. It's like, I oh, saw they got Joey another Thomas for nine million yards. They they had a corner, Joey Thomas. Yep, I remember him. Yeah, big. No, he Joey was at Thomas. Montana. Was he at Montana? No, he's at Montana Mon- State. Montana State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long, tall, long corner. Yeah. They also I went up there and did ruse. Did you do Michael Ruse? Up at Eastern Washington. Yeah, I did him. How about yep. my best story? And we'll, we'll, we'll go on this because we can go in a rabbit hole. Oh, I love these ran, ran, I, random names. Idaho, Idaho State. Jared Allen. Okay, yeah. No, I see, I that was one of my – I was in the league, but I had not got to the West yet. So Chad Alexander did that year. Jared Allen, who was one of the all-time sack leaders in the NFL. Yeah. I went up there to – a long snapper, him right? As a long snapper. Yep. <laughs> a long crazy. snapper. That is crazy. How about that? Uh, all right, that that name of that receiver is going to drive me nuts, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to text it to you. Uh, but anyways, uh, hey, last thing I want to give you, and we can wrap this up. My dad told me this story the other day, and it was a true story. And I thought you would love it because I know we talk about sometimes simple is better. We talk about it in plays mm-hmm. and and you know scheme and all this kind of stuff. But it was two part story. But the first part is the word priority was a singular word for 500 years and then at that point in time somebody decided we can make it plural priorities so you can have these are my three priorities my five priorities the word was meant for one it was a singular word and i thought and i've talked to coaches about this and shared this thought with them and they're like yeah you need to be great at one thing oh, you need yeah. to be able to do one thing what is your priority who are you what are you about what is that one thing it's like curly from the movie city Slickers, yes. right life is about one thing but I think what a great, that's t- so true because we think, oh, 
I need to get these are my five priorities or these are my six. No, no, no. When you reduce it all down, it is one thing. What is your priority singular? And I thought from a team standpoint, you know what? We run outside zone better than anybody. And That's we spend we the most time on it. And that is who we are. And that is what we do. You know, we do not turn the football over. That is our one. That is our calling card. That is our one thing. But I thought as a coach, it's 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 powerful, right? Yeah, it's very powerful. It's funny that you say that because, like, you talk about outside zone. That is the whole Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Alex Gibbs run game. We run inside zone, outside zone. That's it. You want to see power? You want to see gap schemes? You won't see it from us. It makes the most sense. And I do believe that we're seeing, and this kind of dovetails off what your dad said about priority and scaling down. In this country, like since the pandemic, we have seen all of these restaurants really scale back their menus. And mm-hmm. a lot of these restaurants are seeing their volume of sales have gone up since they've tried, quit trying to be everything to everybody yep. and specialized in one or two things, whether it's Chick-fil-A, whether it's Raising Cane's, just doing chicken fingers, whether it's in and out like we talk about. Like it is better to be great in one thing rather than be average in a bunch of different things. Yep, uh, I uh, 100% agree. And the other story that went along with that, which was a true story, this guy was at home and he saw a truckload show up at his house, right? 55,000 pieces of mail from a loan company, which had made a mistake and sent him the same letter, 55,000 copies of this letter. So they're unloading truckloads and it's the same, 55,000 of the same thing. And the whole point was, Imagine if there was one important piece of mail tucked in within those 55 meaningless letters. And I thought, that's like, that's like you're setting up an offense or a scheme. Like You have so much volume, but like you could be missing you the good stuff it. here. Yeah, you can't find the good stuff because you got too much stuff. Yep. I, I can relate to that. Yeah, so there you go. That's my fun. This is fun, man. It's good to be back with you. I feel reju- rejuvenated. Yeah, it was cool. Like, yeah, I'm telling you. Maybe you need to go away once or twice a year. We're going to tuck you away in. Idaho and Montana and let you just kind of like be a nature boy. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you the, uh, the name of that receiver. Gosh, it's going to drive me nuts. Cause I know you've done him too. We all, we, yeah. Anyways, I'll find it. I'll get it to you. All right, man. Anything else you need to add before we get out of here? No, we're good, man. We got one more podcast later this week. We'll make sure we knock that out. Have fun. It just came to me. It just came to me. And honest to goodness, I did not even look it up. I swear to you, I did not look it up. Jovan Bonite. Jovan Bonite. Wow. You had to have done him. You had, he was like a number nine receiver at Wyoming, Man, I want to say. Javon Bonite. And he's coaching. He was coaching. I don't know where he is now, but he was at uh, he was at Utah State for a while. Man, you dug you dug down out. I thought you were gonna pull out Chris McNeil because Chris McNeil played at uh Wyoming. I know he I did, you, yeah. Jovan <laughs> Bonite. I swear it was it might, I think he played at Wyoming and then coached at Utah State or, or the other way around. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. But anyways, that was fun. It's good to see you, buddy. Uh, hey, man. we'll be good back. Seeing you. What, We'll have another one. We'll do another one this week. Yeah. Hey, make sure to plug. Uh, so what, this week we got the Mood of Sticks TV shows. We're doing the 360s with Tua Tungvaloa. And is it Joe Burrow that we yeah, have this we week? Had, yeah, Joe and Tua. Uh, those are going to air NFL Network 6 p.m. and 6.30 Eastern on Thursday. They're half-hour shows. Um, they will re-air on Friday at 9 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. and Saturday uh, 1 a.m., 5 a.m., 9 a.m. So you can check out those. We've kind of repurposed uh, what we did in the 360s before the draft and updated them uh, with information about them being with their new teams and what to expect in their new location. So you can check those out on the network. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to a second pod this week. Yep, we'll do it. All right, it's good to be back with you, Buck. Uh, Nabil, good job on the production side, and uh, we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. 
There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Looking for a better solution to keep your firearms in high-performance condition? Visit RiptideArmory.com for the most advanced proprietary gun cleaning formula on the market. Right now, get up to $40 off any cleaning kit for a limited time on RiptideArmory.com and take advantage of this amazing deal today. Riptide's two-step cleaning kit offers state-of-the-art technology and guaranteed satisfaction. Riptide Armory is a veteran-founded business, and you can trust that all chemicals are American-made and quality-tested. Shop RiptideArmory.com.